A relationship with God is crucial to our life and destiny. Without really establishing a deep relationship with God, we are off the rails or never get on them. That is why we need to be intentional about this thing called intimacy with God. It's not enough to just throw up a quick prayer when you wake up, when you go to bed, or during a crisis, but there's a deeper place of satisfying connection that awaits you. The truth is, most of us desire to get close to God spiritually, but we get distracted easily and allow the temporary to eclipse the eternal. The things around us look enticing, but often become clickbait in a bait and switch that leaves us feeling disconnected, alienated, and dry. In the garden, God longed to have fellowship with us, but distraction and deceit took hold, and we walked away from him. Almost a thousand years later, when a man named Enoch walked with God, the Lord missed walking with man so much that he caught hold of Enoch and did not let go. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will conclude the topic of holy passions, have a conversation with Brian Guerin of Bridal Glory Ministry and Ascend Academy, and finish with some hacks on harnessing holy intimacy, as well as learning how to get a hold of God. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. It's my favorite Tuesday. And why is it my favorite Tuesday? Because it is Keep It 100, brand new episode. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Sean. Come on and It's Krista. And we are the Smiths. And we are excited to be with you. Hey, we got some testimonies we want to catch you up with. Yeah. What's so cool is our local church, a precious Asian couple who are pastors, came to our noontime prayer meeting. And the wife wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was so cool. We just got a chance to share with her. I guess she had been prayed for before, but she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. God released in her heavenly language. She got teary-eyed and touched up. And it was so cool because they had both been at our prophetic master class and it really set her up. And that was so exciting. So powerful. I mean, I'll never tire of watching God encounter someone. It's just, it's something that I'm always just privileged to get a front row seat to. Right after that, I got a chance to go out to Illinois, you guys. And as I was out there, I was in a place called Urbana, very close to the University of Illinois, fighting Illini. And I got a chance to speak at a church, but also what was so cool. Uh, the next day after the service, and they were powerful. We had uh, just a lot of people hit the altar. We had people get saved. We had people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, we had healings. One lady in particular said she had chronic pain in her uh, body ever since 2014, and she got healed, and she said no more pain in her body. But what was so cool was Monday, boo, that we had uh, a couple hundred uh, full-time ministers, outreach people, evangelists, campus, university, pastors, which are Chi Alpha, stay. And I got a chance of talking to them how important it is to walk in the supernatural, how to be led by the spirit and flow and demonstrate it. And we just got great reports. Awesome pastor there, Pastor Ricky and his wife, Shay, they're amazing. And then I was there also with Gary Grogan, whole story on him, but we had a great time out there in Illinois. That's so cool. I always love, and I'm honored when we get the privilege to speak with leaders, you know? And so that's just a really cool door. And you have such history with Chi Alpha, your years of campus ministry. So what a gift. But you know what else I'm excited to talk about is if you have not already heard, we have a really exciting announcement. There's been people that have been patiently waiting for our prophetic master class to be available to purchase as an e-course. And our incredible team member, Natalia, has just spent, she put so much work into this and she just did such an incredible job and she did it right. We took our time because we really wanted to give you a quality product. It's broken up into 15 sessions and it includes like teaching, impartation, activation, prophetic ministry, and a really powerful question and answer time. That actually ended up 
that was Sean's idea. And I loved, I felt like it was a God idea. It was such a power pack, just question time that was really rich. But this is available on our website. It's available for purchase now. You can use it as an individual if you just personally want to grow more their prophetic, or it can actually be used in a group setting if you're at a church and you actually want to have a small group or teach a class on prophetic activation. Masterclass, you can actually teach this curriculum yourself, use the videos and actually activate the people in your life that you want to see go to the next level. It was so profound. And of course, Krista, myself, great friend of ours, Julian Adams taught. We had such great praise reports. Really believe that if you'll go right now to www.seanandkristasmith.com and you can see it, it come up on our page or go to our shop, it'll come up and you will profit from this. And we really believe that you may all prophesy. And that's not just Sean and Krista saying it. That's, that's right. Paul in the <laughs> book of Corinthians. So go get this e-course and, and continually grow and hearing the voice of God and becoming the voice of God. We yeah. need you. We need your voice. Second exciting announcement is coming up. When is it? January 19th, 20th, and 21st of 2023. Come on. We're about two and a half months out. We are having, to me, one of the most exciting events that is happening. It's called Momentum. And we are bringing in the prophets to the bay because the Lord said, bring in the prophets and open up the gates of revival. So friends, that's what we are doing. So we, if you call California your home, get here. But if you just want a heart for revival and you want to get marked for a move of God in your region, come because we really believe it's going to be a place of impartation with the spirit of revival because God is unleashing, I believe, a whole new move of God and something we haven't seen before. And 2023 really is going to be an unprecedented year for the body of Christ. We believe momentum is one of those marking events. Now, a question that people often ask when it comes to a conference of, do I need another conference? The answer is no, you don't need another conference, but you do need a life-changing marking moment. So I do want to say this. I don't believe this is just another conference. And I really believe this is going to be a time of impartation. And I really believe we are not going to be the same from it. The Bay is not going to be the same for it. California is not going to be the same for it. And everyone that comes representing their region is going to bring back a portion for where they live. And so we just want to encourage you, get your tickets. You know, there's only so many seats. And we don't say that because it's like, oh, there's only so many seats. Really, we we have one building that has <laughs> a certain capacity. And so we want you in the room. There's something about being in the room. I'm grateful for online. I love online. I'm grateful for what the digital world offers. But to me, nothing replaces getting in the room. So tell us a little bit about who's coming, John. The lineup we really believe is strategic and to be quite honest, is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, we have apostolic leader, Dr. Samuel Rodriguez, Oof. phenomenal, just guy rocks the house. We have prophetic ministers, Tommy Ariomi. Uh, you better Google him, somebody. He's <laughs> mighty. We got Emma Stark from Scotland. Oh my. Oh man, it's crazy. Obviously, Krista Smith, she's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm going to get a chance to holler at you. But worship, John Smith. we have Matt Gilman for years, led worship uh, at IHOP, 24-hour house of so prayer. Good. We have Deidre Greathouse. Amazing. And she leads worship at Lakewood Church in Houston. Uh, she is the founder of the Contemporary Gospel Group, uh, anointed her and her brother and another, a gal that were amazing. You need to get here. So just yeah. come here, circle on your calendar right now, January 19th, 20, 21st. Reserve a spot now because it will fill up. Uh, it will sell out and you want to be there in person. It's really true. And we didn't invite these people because they have large platforms or they're big names, although they do have large platforms and they are bigger names. But at the same time, we brought them because we have relationship with each and every one of them. We know they live the life of a revivalist. They live a life consecrated to the Lord. And we really brought them because we, we believe they have that portion to release and there's an impartation they carry that we need. So go to seanandchristasmith.com, get your ticket today, and we're just going to keep plugging it because we really believe in it. All right, let's jump in. Hey, we're going to jump in. Just hit 
hitting a couple of different current events. In case uh, some of you did not know this, most of you probably have heard about this. Elon Musk, who is obviously the founder of uh, Tesla as well as SpaceX, and he is also CEO of a couple other companies. Elon Musk is like a modern day Tony Stark. The dude is just unreal like that. But after spending months of attempting to get out of a deal to buy Twitter, Elon Musk officially owns <laughs> the hugely influential platform, aka Twitter. Now the question is, what will he actually do with it? The takeover is October 27th. Uh, it, it They're saying, uh, articles that I've read about it, that it can impact the upcoming US midterm elections. Uh, if he makes good, especially on his promise to restore the counts of users who were previously banned from the platform, a certain former president would be one of them. And uh, he would also limit the company's content restrictions. And so here's a quote by Elon Musk, which I think is interesting because we're, we're just kind of wondering, where is this going to land? Right. And he repeatedly stressed that his goal was to bolster free speech on a platform and work to unlock Twitter's extraordinary potential, quote unquote. The Tesla CEO suggested he would rethink Twitter's approach to content moderation and permanent bans with the potential impact on basically civil discourse and political landscape. And he talked about his desire to also rid the platform of bots. That was actually why he delayed Boo buying it. Oh, wow. But he said that there that. were a lot of bots and he felt like that inflated the amount of people who were on. And one last quote I want to throw out there, and then I, we really kind of want to talk about it just for a quick sec. Uh, he says, the reason why I acquired a Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square, he said, where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. You know, I, I love this conversation because, you know, as an American, one of the favorite things for our nation that I have is free speech. I love that about America. Here's the catch, though. When you allow free speech and you defend free speech, you have to defend it for everybody. Even people that you would oppose on every single level, that their free speech, you know, has to be defended. So people that really struggled with, you know, the Trump discourse and they felt like he actually caused a lot of civil unrest. And so there were a lot of people that were actually really excited when his account got shut down, right? There was a lot of people in the media that were celebrating it because they felt, felt like by actually shutting his voice down, it actually brought a greater peace. But then you have to bring the other side of the conversation is when you begin to limit free speech, it actually begins to take away the fabric of our society and it begins to follow suit of a socialist society, right? And so you look at other nations where there's limited speech, there's limited intel, there's limited access to the outside world because there's such a fear-based driven leadership. And one great thing about America is we have not been that before, but because we have these private, privately owned industry, but have massive public domain, right? So that's an interesting mix. They're actually privately owned. They're not owned by the government. So they actually can do things kind of their own way. And yet they massively influence society. So, you know, where's the line? And I think that's what everyone's trying to figure out. Where is the line? Because if someone's spewing hate and rage and discrimination and ugly stuff, and it's causing like massive racial tension, and it's, it's provoking violence, you know, and we saw this, you know, we've seen this at different times in our history. What do you do with that? And yet trying to defend free speech. So for me, it's like watching this unfold, you, you know, being a follower of Jesus, I'm going to find peace no matter what, because obviously Jesus is my anchor. But there is a little bit of that breathe in, kind of hold your breath moment watching this because we've seen the negative effect of free speech, but we've also seen the negative effect of denying it. Yes. And you do want free speech, but you don't want hate speech. Right. And then the other end of it, I have seen uh, Twitter uh, shut down the accounts of Christians that are strong in what they believe, yes. whereas I see other people expressing their beliefs in things not get shut down. Yes. It's funny because years ago, right, I used to, my mom named me after Sean Connery. He's the 
handle James Bond, y'all. So I used to watch these uh, 007 James Bond movies. I love espionage. And back in the day, it was guys that had laser beams or guys that had poison water or guys that had some sort of bomb. And then it got to a point where one of the nemesis was a guy that just ran mass media. And it really kind of announced that the weaponry of the day, the weapons of mass destruction today are people that control information. Mm. And so we're really in a day now where he who controls or she who controls the information controls the mindset of where people are at. And so we really will find out. I actually feel like it's going to be good. I could see that there are some people right now that are deactivating their Twitter accounts, uh, but I feel like they'll be back. But I, I feel like I don't want the suppression of people speaking because they're different than people. But I do believe if it goes into hate speech, then that has to be policed and that has, but the, then it comes down to who decides what's That's what hate I was speech. just going to say, but who decides where the line is hate speech? Because, you know, if you are a Bible believing Christian, you preach the full gospel and you're saying, I don't believe in alternative lifestyle Facts. and I don't believe that's of God, that is a hundred percent considered hate speech. But is it hate speech? No, it's not hate speech. It's true to the gospel. So is now the gospel considered hate speech? So then there's that line of thinking that really is scary if uh, obviously we're not, we refuse to be afraid, but if you go down that school of thought, right. that is, they're gonna, there's going to be a real justification for the limiting of people preaching the gospel because of the telltale sign of, you know, that's hate speech. And obviously I don't agree with that. So my whole thing is who's making the decision, right? It's true. And, and you know, it's funny because I'll, I'll give this one last quote by Elon Musk. He says, quote, there is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far right and far left wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide our society, end of quote. So I guess what we finally arrive at is where is the line? We're going to have to pray, watch it unfold and just keep it before the Lord. And no matter what, we do know this, the gospel will have the final say. Absolutely. So regardless of who owns Twitter, who doesn't, who sits in the White House, who doesn't, who sits in the you know states and the halls of justice, although obviously we want to vote biblically and do all that stuff, be responsible. God is going to have the final say. And Psalms 2 say he'll laugh at mockers. Mm -hmm. So if people want to get on and do whatever they do in terms of Twitter and start trying to thumb thug or whatever the term is, uh, the God in heaven is not threatened by that and truth is going to prevail. Ooh, I love that. Well said. All right. Here's something else I wanted to bring to the table for conversation because I think it's really interesting. So in recent tweet, Collins Dictionary announced that the one word that can appropriately sum up the year 2022 is permacrisis. Huh. Okay. So what does that mean? That's going to be the question when right. people hear that word, right? The dictionary defines it as an extended period of instability and insecurity. Wow. Permacrisis. So an ongoing crisis, right? Mm -hmm. As per Collins Dictionary's language lover's blog, as we wonder bleakly what new horrors might be around the corner, the word perfectly embodies the dizzying sense of lurching from one unprecedented event to another. Wow. Think about that. Permacrisis. <laughs> Collins Dictionary says that's the word that sums up the year. You think about it. This year went so quick, but they're actually like, we're inventing words, you guys. And the word we're inventing <laughs> is not like temp, temp a crisis. <laughs> it's temporary. <laughs> we're in permacrisis. Oh right. my goodness. It's like using the beginning of the first word of permanent right. perma crisis. I'm like, mm, that's not the word that I want. You know, but I can say I don't agree with everything obviously said, because this is very catastrophic language, which I want to avoid. I don't like catastrophic language, but I do think there has been an extended period of instability and insecurity. Right. So this to me actually isn't far off from truth. You know, college dictionary give us the word permacrisis in 2022, but millennials earlier, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 
Timothy chapter three. And he said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And the word there, perilous, is the the word kalepos. And it means dangerous times. It actually is a word used one other time in the Greek New Testament, used to describe the demon-possessed men of the Gadarenes. So it's kind of saying it's almost going to be demonized. But it's like long before Collins gave us the word permacrisis, the Bible lets us know that the last days will be perilous times. But at the same time, the Bible says that in this world, you have hope. And our hope is in Jesus. And praise God, I don't have to be in an extended period of instability and insecurity. And if the world around me is like that, internally, I can have the stability and the security of knowing that I am a child of the Most High God. Mic drop. Enough said, because that's our anchor point. And on that note, I want to dive into today's topic because we are talking about holy passions. And this is part two. We've just shared the reality that we're in really interesting times and there's definitely an unpredictability in our society. That's why we're hitting this topic and so many topics on our podcast, really to give us anchor points in a world that is that is unstable. There is one constant. There is one anchor point and his name is Jesus. So with that, we want to dive into today's topic of holy passions part two. You know, historically, holy passions really focusing on intimacy with God, his presence has affected people, including the lives of Catherine Coleman, Charles Finney, and Smith Wigglesworth, right? These are heroes of the faith. These are hall of famers. These are people where in today's society, we as the church are still impacted by the lives of these people because of the intimacy they walked in. You know, Catherine Coleman carried so much of the presence of God on her that when she'd step out of her hotel room. And as she walked by people, they would literally fall down under the power of God. Then when she got to the crusade and stepped out on the platform, the power of God would ramp up 10 levels because of the glorious presence of God that she carried, right? I mean, just incredible. Imagine walking from just your hotel to your car to go to the convention to where the service is being held. People are falling out in the power of God because the atmosphere of heaven that you carry, you walk into an arena and the arena atmosphere shifts and the whole place comes under the power of God because one life has been consecrated for Jesus. Your life can literally change the lives of those around you, not just in like a service in a traditional sense. What I love is Catherine models to us in the everyday of her just living her life in a place of consecration and connection to Jesus. She changed atmospheres wherever she went. And then let's talk about Charles Finney. One of my favorites. Right? Charles Finney carried such a powerful presence of God that one day when he walked into a factory, it was like God himself stepped into that factory with him and all the workers got saved, even though he said nothing at all. Including the owner of the factory, which at that time they described as an infidel. So you imagine the owner of a factory, he's thinking the bottom line. He's like, my workers got to work. And all of a sudden, Charles Finney came in, comes in, one of the ladies starts to weep. It was actually a seamstress factory. And the and the infidel or unsaved owner stops everything and basically allows Charles Finney to declare what he knows to be true. And it just he just walked out with such a revival. That's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, the power of our intimacy with God. I mean, think about what's actually available and how much we don't access. That's what I think about because they didn't have anything more special or greater access than what you and I have access to. We all have access to the same Holy Spirit. That's sobering. Isn't that true? And it's like, we think somebody is something today because they got a lot of followers on Instagram. And I'm not knocking that. We all want to influence. And I think that's awesome. But the truth be told, I think I'd rather have influence with Holy Spirit than I'd have influence with people. And I think that's so important. Speaking of that, here's a guy, Smith Wigglesworth. You know, that guy actually was a plumber by trade. That's how he paid his bills. Wow. He started off by uh, almost Sunday school. He would have little kids ride on a on a little pony and he would hold the pony by a rope while the kids would ride on a pony. And that's how he'd be 
began ministry. And Smith Wigglesworth one time was sitting on a train going somewhere. He was just minding his own business. And people would come up to him and ask, what can I do to be saved? Can you imagine having so much Jesus on you? Have you have understood intimacy with God through holy passions? You've unlocked the presence of God tangibly on you to people walk by. You're not saying anything. And they're going, what must I do to be saved? He was so saturated, filled, and controlled by the Holy Spirit that when the lost got in his presence, they felt another presence. There's even an example wow. where he's on a train and as he goes by a certain depot or stop, they open the door. And when they open the door, anyone who was sick within a certain circumference of that door was instantly healed. One of his biographers writes about, and you just begin to think, what is available to us if we tap into another level of intimacy? Like we could continually have kind of a distant Christian walk, but what if today you just decided, somebody's listening to this right now, you're starting to get fired up at the possibilities of how God could use you and what could happen if you just decided you're going to plug in, lock into God, not allow the time siphoning distractions of the modern era to rob from you a birthright of going deeper in God and impacting and influencing people. Come on, I believe people's shadow can still heal folks. I believe you could still walk in schools and universities and people could fall out under the power or without saying a word, someone could be convicted or run by you and go, man, how do I give my life to the Lord? But we'll never know if we never begin to prioritize his presence, holy passions, intimacy with God, and get his presence on us. And if we care more about his presence than we do the people's presence or our presence, then we're going to begin to see exploits like these guys saw. Concluding thoughts is basically when we make the aim of our presence to walk more closely in his presence, his presence accompanies us that much more strongly. Keep 100 Tribe, right now we're going to go into an interview with the founder of Ascend Church and Bridal Glory Ministry CEO, Brian Guerin. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you guys don't even know what is about to go down right now. I've got my great friend, Brian Guerin here. He heads up Bridal Glory Ministries, Ascend Church and Academy. This is a mighty man of God. Uh, not too long ago, recently relocated to the Atlanta, Georgia area. And uh, you are going to be blessed by this episode. Brian, what's going on, man? What's up, Sean? Such an honor to be with you, man. It is so great to have you on the show. Hey, man, catch us up. What's got, what's been going on with you lately, bro? Yeah. So first off, I just want to tell the listeners, man, how much I love and honor you and Krista. It's such a great honor to be on this, of course, but just how you guys love Jesus so deeply and reflect him deep in the word. Man, you, you know, you were just with us all and rocked our school. You and Krista, wow. it was so, so powerful. So just grateful for you and what you and Krista embody and represent the Lord. But um, no, it's been good. Yeah, we're in Atlanta, like you had mentioned, and originally from Louisiana, but we came up about four years ago and have just been following the Lord and watching him move powerfully. I was super, super encouraged. So. I've just been able to sit back because I was I was made aware of your ministry some time ago, but just to see the favor, uh, and you've stewarded that favor so well. Uh, you bring your family into it in such a unique way. And, and when Chris and I were there at the Academy, we're going to give you a chance at the end just to share about it. It is amazing. I highly recommend it even before he gets a chance to break it down. It, it is life-changing. Well, let's jump in this, Brian. Hey, uh, this, I think, is an important question we love to ask whenever we get people on Keep It 100. And that, bro, what is your origin story and how did God mark you or encounter you with his love? Because you carry that message very well. 
Yeah, great question. So let's see, I was I was actually raised in church, you know, in like a, a non-denominational church. And I guess it never quite landed. So I got out there quick in the world, actually 14, 15 years old. Just got caught up in the whole, you know, chasing the carrot, um, all the things the world presents you. But I began to notice the deeper I got into it, I become more uh, empty and, and uh, just more miserable. While yet it seemed on the outside like I had it going on. But it, it was funny because, you know, I guess popularity and all these things, but because of pride, I didn't want to tell my friends you know, that I was just, I was miserable inside. I'd just cry at night, depressed, things like this. And, but, you know, you're all arrogant in the world, don't want to tell your friends and stuff. And right. so, uh, but uh, I went to a church, actually the one I grew up in, and uh, the who is now my spiritual father, his daughter came and got me and um, dropped a seed in my heart. She just began to ask me about eternity and where I stood and really convicted me. And uh, several other events came about, and I got born again in 98 and uh, got rocked right away. I was drawn to the presence of the Lord. Like, I, you know, I grew up in church, but I was always on the back row, just didn't didn't land with me. But when I met Jesus, I said, oh, my gosh, like, he's alive and he's real. And uh, I just wanted to be with him. It was funny. I was in a, so I got uh, saved at 20, uh, 1998. And we had a college group, amazing. My spiritual father led me to the Lord. But even then, I found myself early on wanting to be in the presence of God because I was like, just, oh, my gosh, he's alive. I, I'd feel his presence, peace would come, joy, the word would come alive. And so it started to lock up for quite some time then. And um, shortly after, the Lord called me out to a Bible college in Florida for a couple of years and kind of been going on ever since. But there's been installments, you know, I know you, you would know what I'm talking about, where the Lord's just taking me deeper. And I think it typically always goes back to that first and greatest commandment of loving him, hopefully doing that one well. And then from that obedience, typically you obey well if you love well. So Man, it's so profound. Yeah. You, you, it, I don't know if it's fair to say emerging because you, you're you established, bro. But I, I, in terms of the voice that's carrying the bridal paradigm, and I first heard that, you know, with IHOP and Mike Bickle, and I think we may even have chatted on that just briefly, but you carry this message and you carry it very well, a bridal love, bridal glory, bridal affections. I guess my question to you, Brian, is number one, how did this become such a work that God worked in you that you begin to carry the message? And then maybe a second question to that, is what what's the challenge you face carrying that message? Because it is the gospel. It's the heart of everything that we do. And like you said, it's the greatest commandment. So how did this come about for you, bro? Yeah, I would say um, such a great question. Obviously, you know, I'm no scholar on it by any means. And I think it's something you're always learning, trying to go deeper in. So it's not like we arrived. But early on, as I mentioned, I just fell in love with the Lord, his presence off to Bible college and began to notice this, like the John 15s, abide in me. Apart from me, you can nothing. These passages just kind of jumping off the page. And I would say it was after uh, sometime shortly after Bible college, I became so hungry that it was hard to explain. Looking back now, I realized it was a divine window the Lord was calling me into. I just didn't, I didn't know in the moment I was in, but it was this grace. He was kind of applying to my life to pull me in to be with him. And I couldn't shake it. I would be in the grocery store, just so hungry to be with the Lord. And it'd be at night all day long, just I wanted to be with him. Ministry wasn't on the radar at all yet. Didn't care. Nobody knew who I was on the backside of nowhere. I had got out of Bible college. And so I, I began crying out to the Lord if he would enable me financially to set me up for quite some time that I, I would vow to him my life just to be with him, which now, again, looking back, I realize is not normal. 
people. And, and this is just my story, my journey. It doesn't work like this with everybody. It was just my story, kind of the process of it all. And I love how in the Word it says, he called the disciples to be with him. Then he sent them out. And it was kind of like one of those, you know, or is it Acts 4.13 with Peter and John? It says how they noticed they were speaking with boldness and power. And it just, they were common, ordinary men. But then they realized they had been with Jesus. They had been with him. And um, so sure enough, I came across a couple of real estate deals where I was able to flip some homes, make a considerable amount of money to set me up for about a year and just fell off the map, man. I mean, it really, it was funny. I, I didn't want answering calls. And again, I don't recommend this unless the Lord, you know, calls you. <laughs> it was just my journey. <laughs> and uh, so there I was. I vowed to the Lord early on um, to be with him around nine hours a day or something like this. And not legalism. That's what I love to always point out because I know you can get off into some strange, up the other ditch, too far the other way where it's like works and you're earning it. It wasn't this at all. It was just, it was holy hunger, infatuation. I couldn't put a finger, my finger on it, but so drawn to him in a supernatural way with the grace behind it to be with him. So I, the first few months, if I'm honest, I was having withdrawals from the world, just normal things, not sin, but just being around people and answering phone calls, checking emails. But I stayed at it and I would say about three months in, I hit this window that looking back now, um, I realized these are things they can't teach you in Bible college. You know, it's just places of the spirit where I got off into. And for me, I would say a lot of it was accidental. I didn't know this realm was available. I see it now in the Word so clear, but I began to encounter the Lord from this dimension. So I come out of an Assemblies of God Bible College where we're all like, raise the dead, win the lost, empty wheelchairs, you know, and, and I still carry that burn for it. I'm so grateful for the, the fear of the Lord, you know, repentance of sin, faith in Jesus Christ, and have only grown in all that. So that, thank the Lord, is still with me. But this deep, intimate place, knowing Him, you know, I would say got even deeper in this window and branded me forever. And I began to experience the Lord in these ways that I love to point out too, that have nothing to do with the whole masculine, you know, or, or feminine connection in the earth, you know, because uh, I think sometimes as men, we're, we kind of check out when we hear like the bridal realm and I, re I can relate, like I'm like a man's man as far as love to fish, hunt, play ball, like I'm not, you know, but it doesn't translate the same. It's it's spirit unto spirit, you know, and I love First mm -hmm. Corinthians 17 says those that are joined, those that are uh, joined with him are one in spirit. And um, I remember I just used to get wrecked by him and it would transform me at such a deep place. I could tell, I would, you know, you can only become like that which you spend time with and hang around. And the deeper I would go into him, I would realize that all those things that don't frustrate me like they used to, that they don't as much anymore. And the rough edges would start to come off and fruit would actually become, it would happen easier because I was being with him, you know, and I love that John 15, that we can do nothing apart from him. So yeah, started there and it just, it's still a journey you never come to the end of, but here we are just loving the Lord. But again, trying to obey the, the great commission as well. That's what I love that you embody, you and Krista, so well, both sides, deep, intimate place, but go with the gospel and everything in between. So That's awesome. What, what, did, what would you say, carrying that message, so it's kind of more of your angle in it, what's yeah. your biggest challenge in carrying that message, calling people to just a deep place of union, communion, uh, getting before the Lord, loving Him with all your heart? What is your biggest challenge, Brian? Yeah, mine personally or to convey the yes. message to uh, Either or. Yours personally oh, yeah. or to, yeah, to convey the message. Yeah, so I would say personally first, um, you know, again, trying to find that that balance of loving the Lord well, but also sometimes he's like, hey, the, the lost are going to hell. Like you need to preach the gospel, you know. I, this is a funny one. You'll appreciate like being in the prophetic. One time during that window, actually, I was so checked out. Like it was it was funny, like clothes fads had come and gone. I was so out of the loop. When I came out after about a year, I would do the only things I had to do to keep life rolling and then I would be locked up. Uh, but I remember I came out and I, I came across a cashier 
year that had those, I don't know if you remember those old Razor flip flones. The, the yes. Oh, absolutely. So this is, dates me a bit, but they those had apparently been out for a while and I had never seen one. And I go, oh my gosh, what is that? <laughs> and the cashier's like, where have you been? You know, and uh, I remember it was like holes and jeans was in style and then it left. So I was out of the scene a bit. But coming out of that um, in prayer, I remember one time I saw a prophetic picture of Uncle Sam pointing at me in prayer, like stern. And I was like, Lord, what is that? I'm in this intimate, deep place with the Lord. And I hear him clearly say, pay your taxes, like pay attention, do the natural. I'd, I had forgot I'd lost the time of the month, and, you know, what date it was to do the practical things of life. So I would say, you know, we need to be Mary's at the feet of Jesus, but there's a lot of strength in the Martha to the doing and going of the gospel and learning that balance. And, and I try to teach that because I think if we're not careful, we can get so top heavy one way or the other. And then you're, if you're not obeying the gospel, you're not loving well at that point. If you love me, you obey me. So finding that balance. And um, and again, like I alluded to earlier, trying to not have it turn into some legalism thing. It's it's really a holy infatuation. You, know, you love to be around those that you truly love. But sometimes I love that dis- it takes discipline sometimes to dig out that trench of love. And I think that's healthy. You know, he's, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verses like that. Um, I was just in Chronicles on King Asa, the third king of Judah. And I love that he commanded him. And I think sometimes we forget that, that the first and great commandment to love him is a command. And sometimes, you know, we, we go by our feelings and well, I don't feel led. I'll pray when I, when the spirit leads me and it usually doesn't end up well. Sometimes discipline's very healthy. So just that balance in it all. Man, so profound. And, and you know, I love this and, and correct me. I don't, I don't want to presume on what you're sharing with me. I think people come into a deeper place in God just in general through wooing and whoa, and whoa <laughs> meaning like not whoa, like whoa, I'm blown away, but whoa, like W-O-E. And and I, I went to a deeper place in God because I had the whoa, like my God, I was hit so many different sides, devastations, all this kind of stuff. It forced me to go deeper. Like all of a sudden I was having to take over the campus ministry. I got saved in, so I was over my head. I was engaged at the time. She threw the ring back in my lap and kind of my mm-hmm. mom disowned me and says, I don't, if you go on a full-time ministry, I don't prove you. She wasn't saved. She would later get saved. So I just, mm-hmm. whoa is me, whoa is me. So the only place I was going to make it, you know, people were like my fellow interns, I was interning while taking over campus ministry. I was interning, but having wow. to direct the campus ministry I was interning in. So they were not monetary, but they were almost taking bets. Like how long is Sean going to hold up? <laughs> but it was in that, whoa, my God, I'm, I'm going to crash and burn without you. I'm not going to make it that I went deeper, but it sounds like you were wooed. You said you'd come at the end of the day, you'd be in a line and you were just go, oh man, I went all day. I, I just got to go spend time with the Lord. Is that true that it was more of the wooing for you? Yeah. And, and for that season, but the woes, I'm glad you pointed that out. I, I know those well as well. And I think they're beautiful in both biblically truths, you know, both truths and the word. So I love them. But yeah, that season it was, it was, it was just a deep yearning that I look back, like I said now, and I go, oh, I believe that was a supernatural window that set me up for, for kind of where the Lord has us going. Because now sometimes I find myself longing for a window like that, but you know, the, the go of the, the, the commission, destiny is upon us and it's a great honor as well. But yeah, it's good. My next question, Brian, would be how do you grow in bridal affections for the Lord? And what do you see as the biggest distraction to add on, tack on a question? So what are some ways that people can grow in their bridal affection and bridal glory and that whole intimacy and passion for Jesus? Holy passions. 
Yeah, I would say like in pursuing God that sometimes discipline's super healthy. And again, I know it gets a bad rap at times and it can start kind of getting categorized as legalism, but but I think sometimes it's healthy in that, you know, our, our flesh may not always, you know, even Jesus says, spirit's willing, but flesh is weak and in the topic of prayer. So sometimes having a healthy balance of discipline, but also loving God and even being real with the Lord saying, look, I may not feel like I did last month or be as hungry as I might, might have been in prior seasons, but help me love you well. And um, I know this is the greatest commandment and I know we're all at different places, but just pull me in to love you really well and being authentic and true and um, just staying at it, like staying steady and faithful, super key. Some practicals in prayer that I think are very vital as far as going deep in a deep intimate place or getting alone. Mm, super key. Yeah, there's incredible value on corporate prayer. We know that in the corporate move of the spirit are all about that. Love it and see it throughout the word, but you'd see the Lord constantly getting alone. I love Mark chapter one, verse 35 says he went, he woke up before the sun. That's a real big key because it's super quiet then still you have a lot of the distractions of the day pulling at you. You know, if it's early morning hours, you're not as apt to want to check your phone because nobody's even awake to even message you anyway. And um, birds aren't even chirping yet well before the sun. <laughs> it's, it's a still place. So the distractions are less, but also it says he went to a solitude place to be in prayer. Matthew 6 says, go into our closet, shut the door behind us. And I love to look at that slowly because a closet is, you know, only one person can fit in there. It's a very intimate, isolated, intimate place, one-on-one, just like you would look at a bridal chamber, a husband and a wife. Not everybody's welcome in there. The deeper secrets that the Lord wants to instill typically happen there as well. And um, so getting alone, staying steady, faithful, consistent, super key. Um, And again, knowing that discipline, sometimes you may not feel it. Sometimes it may feel like nothing happened, but knowing that he's there, trusting in the word and and staying at it's super key. Another one I love to mention is again, by his grace, uh, sometimes people I think mishear this, but allowing the Lord to pull mixture out of our life because it's hard to love holy when there's mixture from within. And um, we know we can't live holy outside of him. He purifies us, but also the Bible calls us to account over and over again to throw off those sins that so easily entangle us, you know. And I believe sometimes we don't know it, but there's these little foxes that Song of Solomon 2 refers to that destroy the vine. And we kind of want to hang on to them, but yet love the Lord fully, you know. And it's almost like if we brought a natural analogy into it, if we were in a relationship, we were kind of eyeing other people. It just, it taints the, the purity of that love. And so I think we do it unknowingly sometimes, but allowing the Lord to, when we feel that conviction, letting go of those those sins that so easily entangle us. And I believe it, it'll blow your mind on how the fire can burn brighter to love him well, you know. Man, it's so powerful. You know, it's funny. When I was called to ministry, I actually had a vision that preceded the vision. I had this big stadium vision. It's a long, I've shared this before, I keep it 100 tribe. But before that, I had a vision that I, I could see the Lord Jesus in front of me. And he, he had this huge lap, like mm. it would be like you and I looking into the Grand Canyon. And I had all these people, and I could tell it was humanity, were all waiting in line, almost like little kids who sit on Santa Claus' lap. And mm. I'm way back here. And it, I remember my thought, my thought was, yeah, it's going to be a while and probably going to be quick. I'm going to be in and off his lap. And I, I got to be conscious. People in front of me be behind, but at least I'm going to get a minute with him. And then all of a sudden, the next scene, I'm on his lap and there was no one else around. And this wide lap just became a lap for me. And it, it was like, I could be there as long as I want. And it was this thing that God was just stretching my ability to see that an infinite God had this personal space for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and it, it blew me away. Kind of it wrecked me a little bit because uh, you know my come up, my my dad and I, we didn't really have a lot of relationship uh, there, and uh, I believe he loved me and all and stuff, but we just had a short relationship, it was brief. But that lap, but it's interesting because I feel like this message is so important because I was on the lap with Jesus there. I think it has kept me from being the lap in the lap of Delilah since that moment. You know, mm-hmm. Samson was in the lap of Delilah and got his hair cut, but he was obviously longing for something. There was such a, a mixture. And I love when you said that. And, and I just feel like, you know, I think for a lot of guys, and I love that you said that because you are, you're a man's man. I'm a man's man. We we would love to all. man. I love that. You, you're all like. Oh yeah, rich. totally, man. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but yet that thing that the bride of Christ and that whole thing is beyond gender. I love you said that. And the bottom yeah. line is that uh, passions for Jesus, uh, he's worthy of it. It's Come the on. right way to relate to our heavenly father, but it's also a safeguard. Like so when he good. has our full affections, like I said, we get on his lap. We're not getting our haircut on Delilah's lap. And you and I, it's tragic. I was just thinking today, because I was just reminded of a, of a, a pastor who's a friend of mine, good dude and everything, but made some poor choices and he's had to step down from ministry. And I was just thinking, God, number one, how do I help my friends like that? But I guess even before that, it's like, Lord, I'm the one in need. Like, how do I keep myself <laughs> yeah. before you? I can ascend to that holy hill. But I love what you're saying, because I believe it, this is better than willpower. I think it's God's, which I'm a will it, I'm a will it, I'm going to will it. And no, it's, it's getting in his lap before you become the victim of her lap. That's so good. Wow. That's so powerful. What do you feel are, uh, anything you want to say to that as well, but what do you feel are distractions for this emerging or current generation to stepping into this? What do you feel are the distraction or the major distraction? Yeah. Um, man, I'm, uh, I think there are many. One, although it seems not so obvious, is um, selfish ambition, I see. You know, that wouldn't be one of your normal blatant sins that, you know, we would expect to call out, but I think it's a trap often that people don't realize is underlying and it seems like we're striving for something that can give God more glory, but what's really from within is driving its selfish ambition. Look at me and all this stuff and, and uh, many other traps, of course, that, uh, but like you said, as we gaze on him more fully, it kind of burns out that desire for anything else. So yeah, um, you see in Matthew 7, even, I love this one. It's kind of in relation to this context where you have these preachers that come to the Lord, you know, the Lord says, in that day, there'll be many who come to me and um, said, I cast out devils in your name, prophesied in your name, and did many mighty exploits. You know, if you read it closely, it's not just a few. These guys, if you looked at their resume, you know, in current time, we'd be like, oh, these guys are getting it done. Like, follow their social media platforms. It would be, everything would be maxed out, you know, their websites. But the Lord scans them. And I love that he said, not that he did, but that it just, that what it highlights and intimately on him. He says, um, I never knew you. And that word, know there's the same intimate knowing that Mary's used when she says, look, I didn't know Joseph to become pregnant with Jesus. It's a very deep intimate word. And so that even shows you, like, if we're not careful, these guys weren't bankers, lawyers. These guys were preachers, like casting out devils, prophesying. You know, didn't even wow. say, yeah, didn't even say they were attempting to. They were literally doing the works, but never knew the Lord in an intimate way. And so um, I think, yes, yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier to that question, I think we can get distracted by many things. And in our own mind to call him Lord and think he really is Lord and runs our life, but we never really know him in an intimate way. And so I um, pray that that would come back on the forefront, be the highest prize of life. And from that, cast out devils, prophesy, do many mighty exploits, and be a beautiful thing. So, What, what do you see? I, I'm, I'm going to do a double question here. The second one, I'm going to say, <laughs> what, what would you say to your younger, like 
20, 30-year-old self. But the first question is, what is the implication of this message and the end times? Because I know you speak to that a lot. What do you feel is the implication of what it is that you're sharing and, and how that would impact the end time bride, end time army church? Yeah, yeah, such a good question. I would I would say, I think you can see that pretty clear in Matthew 25. I really love that with the um, 10 virgins. It's like one of my favorite parables. And, um, and what's funny is the chapter before Matthew 24, as we know, Jesus gives pretty much one of the most profound infrastructures for the end times right before. And then takes this mysterious jump over to the parable of these 10 virgins. So good, bro. Yeah, all in pursuit of this bridegroom, meaning it's going to be one of the greatest last time, I believe, narratives and focal points of the church. Again, amidst much more, you know, that I believe that we're going to see the greatest harvest ever. The glory of God is going to be on the church, Isaiah 60, like we've never seen. But also this undergirding force of the spirit, the bride saying, come Lord Jesus, you know, and longing for this bridegroom to return. And what I love is that if you read through it, it says the bridegroom came at midnight, which speaks of not only a new day, but the darkest hour. So as darkness increases um, in these in these latter times, it'd be real key we be a wise virgin with extra oil, keeping our lamps burning bright, that place of first and season to love so we can see him clearly, you know. And what's funny is when he assesses between the, the five and five out of 10, the foolish virgins and wise, a door separates them all. And it says those that were ready went in. And I love Revelation 19. Bride prepares herself and makes herself ready. And I think one of the most profound ways in this last time we make ourselves ready is loving him. That's what produces the oil and keeps the lamp burning bright. And so I think it's real, real key. Again, not out of have to legalism, out of invitation and like, oh my gosh, this is what I was born for. You know, created to love God and from that reflect him in the earth and see others fall in love with him. So really good. Oh, that is just so rich. I heard you share a message on the 10 virgins in the oil and just, you know, walked away. You know, that old commercial, get milk. I just walked away <laughs> with this injunction in my head, get oil, get oil, get oil. And and I, I love that. I just, I, I it's like I hear that in my spirit and I just want to go get alone uh, with God and, and Rod, just so pretty. And, and it was it was convicting, but it was so grace-based and love that I felt a wooing in conviction. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, that's an amazing, that, that tells me how deep the message is in you, Brian. And that's wow. why I think it's such a real treat for our listeners is that you, you carry such the conviction of it that you feel the conviction, but you feel the wooing. You know, we've heard messages where you just feel the spank of it. And, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's, a, there's a place for that. I know there'll be some younger people or people of different leanings in their theology. that's like, oh, there's no place in that. But, you know, when the Bible says the word is a knife, it's going to cut. And so <laughs> the Bible says he, he chastises or disciplines children. So it's going to spank. But when you got that uh, invitation, inspiration, conviction, it's amazing. Hey, I love to ask this question. It's kind of we're in bonus time right now. Brian, yeah. what advice would you give to uh, your 20 or early 30 year old self? You could kind of appear, do that MCU, you know, like timeline thing and Spider-Man <laughs> or whatever. Go back. What would you say to yourself? Yeah, man. And, and I probably, if I had more time to kind of analyze it, I would come up plenty. There's so much there. It could be an endless list. But but I would say for sure, um, go even deeper in, in the Word. Again, not so much to try and just know more, but I've just gained such an appreciation for the Word. And it's alive. It really is a sharper than any two-edged sword and what it produces. Um, it, it resets the soul, Psalm 119 says. It, you know, it keeps us pure. I love that Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your Word in my heart. You know, 
that I might not sin against you. And um, I feel like the word so key, Ephesians 5, wash us in the water of your word, that we would be a people that are so deeply rooted in his word, but also presence and um, love Jesus well that we've already alluded to. And then uh, I would say obey quicker, and, you know, because I, I guess, and you, you know, you would know this better than me, but as you walk with the Lord, you start realizing like, oh my gosh, I can really trust him. Like I've, I've walked over, I love to call them those Indiana Joan bridges, you know, whether you can't see them. I don't know if you so remember. Oh, like, I totally remember. Yeah. And he's like, look, I need you to go over there now. And you're like, Lord, there's nothing to walk on. And so early years, I just want to step my tip my toe out and touch it and feel it. And, but you walk enough of him, you're like, oh my gosh, he's faithful. He's good. He's true. I can trust his word. Like Peter, I can walk out, out of this boat. And um, not that you, you get better at it. He's just better. Yes, you're better yielding unto who he is. He's so perfect and true. But I would say obey quicker because you can really trust him. He's good and he's faithful. And if he said something, he'll do it. And and because the quicker we obey, you know, the, the more destiny comes into fruition and he gets glory. And, and like I said, there'd be a scroll. I'd have plenty more if I had more time to think about it. But yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's profound. When you, you just say get in the word, you know, and just obey and obey quicker. I just think those are a lifetime things because I think we we're a generation. I'm not I'm not speaking of those 30 and under or anything, just people on the face of the earth. Uh, yeah. There's more trust issues. I mean, we're we're leery of everything. We're, we're a nature that breathes in the air of cynicism. So to mm. just trust, I just think it's the fast pass. You know, you go to Disney World, Disneyland, you get that fast pass. So you don't have to wait three hours on the Indiana Jones ride. <laughs> yeah. It's just trust him quicker. Hey, mm. Brian, this is amazing, bro. We're going to have to do something and get you back on and get you out here at West Coast as well. What For are sure. some of your projects? Please push your school. We believe in it, Krista and I. We had a chance to share. any Anything that's going on, invite us to your amazing church. It's, if you're in Atlanta uh, area, Atlanta, Georgia, of course, uh, man, Ascend Church is amazing. Brian, just just <laughs> give us, how can we stay in contact with you? Because what you're saying is amazing and any product you got that could help our listeners. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like you mentioned, our church, Ascend Church in Atlanta, and we have a two-year school of ministry that's based out of here as well. And yeah, any of our product would should be on the website and all that good stuff. I'd be honored to have anybody. And, and look, man, uh, I'm telling you, you need to tell them about the, the master class and all that we were just talking about. I can't wait to anything you and Krista, I'm all on board and you guys are rocking it. And, and we need to keep having you come back because I love to have you in the church and you guys are already at the school and our students were blasted. But um, yes, <laughs> you give us dates where they're give us a website or something in particular. Oh, yeah. Yep. So it would be um, our church website is ascendchurchatl.com. Yep. Okay. Hey, man, <laughs> tell us about your book. Your book is like legit, man. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, a few. So like I, I like there's one uh, contemplations on character. Not that's probably more of a spanky type book. So that's not, you know, but I, I love it. And uh, then Bridal Company is another favorite of mine. And yes. God, they have several like that. So yeah, really good. Brian, you are amazing, bro. We sure love you. Honored to have you on, man. Give our, our love to the kiddos, man. And dude, we can't wait till next time we could just hang with each other, bro. <laughs> For sure. Love you, man. Send my love to Krista and can't wait to cross paths again. So. I'll do it. Wow. I mean, what Brian brings is such a depth and intimacy and he really has cultivated something unique that you just don't see with the average person. What I love about Brian is he has such a character and integrity. And I feel like that is rare. Unfortunately, I wish it was 
doesn't, but he really walks in humility, but he has access the father's heart. He has access the intimacy, the bridal love, affection of Jesus. And it's really beautiful what he walks in, but what a rich conversation. The guy is amazing. Keep it 100 Tribe. One of our favorite segments is the Keep It 100 Takeaways. In this episode, we're going to talk about three hacks to harness intimacy with Holy Spirit. You know, to cultivate daily intimacy with Jesus, you have to continually turn your hearts, mind, and gaze upon him. It doesn't take that much. Just a constant reminder that we're not living our lives on our own, but he lives in us. And we desperately need his involvement and interaction in our lives. If you think you can do this life all on your own, you will, but you can do no good thing apart from him. Yeah, you could brush your teeth, you could comb your hair, you could go out, you could get a job someplace and earn a wage. But in terms of echoing the strings of eternity and leaving a true legacy, you have to begin to develop intimacy with Jesus. All right, so let me give you the first hack to harness intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And our first hack is you need to pour your heart over scriptures concerning intimacy with the Holy Spirit. In order to develop intimacy and to understand it, you got to get in the Word and find out what does the Word say as it relates to developing a fellowship, developing a connection, and deepening intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You know, God's anointing, gifts, and power are not sourced in some impersonal force or ability. They're the manifestations of a person, Holy Spirit. And to cultivate intimacy with anyone, you need to understand who they are and how they function. Same is true about the Holy Spirit. And so when you read the Word of God, you get to know His character, His role, the nature of the Holy Spirit. It helps you understand how to relate to Him. And also as you read scriptures, I challenge you, ask God to give you a deeper revelation of who Holy Spirit is. Ask Him to help you understand His role in your life and how you should relate to Him. And I have found being grounded in scriptures, it ensures that you have a strong foundation for developing an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit. The Bible reveals that the Holy Spirit has a will and has an emotion. He has a voice and he communicates in many different ways. And I also want to give you this scripture. Hebrews 10, 22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere faith and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. What's pure water? It is the word of God. And it mentions it over and over again. And I would throw in there too, that if you're going to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you have to make your thoughts a clean sanctuary. Scripture for that is Philippians 4.18. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And are your thoughts are going to decide the mood and climate of your heart, the driving force of your life. And so when you begin to set your thoughts on things that honor the Holy Spirit, He draws near and it helps you to develop greater intimacy. But it all gets back. You need to prioritize the Word and get in the Word. So, so good. So well said. The second hack to harnessing your intimacy with Holy Spirit is what are the particular ways in which you plug into the Holy Spirit and put those things into practice? So that's you really learning to pay attention what connects you with Holy Spirit. So you and I's relationship with God will benefit from learning how we personally connect with the Lord. And each one of us is going to connect differently. Your father, my father, he created us in such a way to know that he not only loves us, but he relates to us as individuals. So he doesn't connect with us all the same. He's going to connect with us very uniquely in the way he wired us and designed us. And I think, isn't that just such so cool? Yeah. Like, I, I love how personal God is. He'll speak to you in certain ways that it may not be significant to you the way he speaks to me, but it's so significant to me because it really affirms and confirms how known I am by God, how loved I am by God. You know, and we even see this in the Bible, really. Every person was unique in the way that they journeyed and they related to God, you know, through the discovering of the word, through the way they worship 
worship, through waiting and meditation of the word, through memorizing the word, mentioning the word, which is another way to say decreeing the word. You know, it, it was manifested throughout different people in different ways. And it just shows how personal, but also how unique God is through each and every one of us. In my life personally, just a couple of ways that I've really learned to harness intimacy is I've just gotten in the habit where every morning I actually make the statement, the first thing out of my, I don't, I don't say it out loud. I say it internally, but I wake up every morning. And this is truth. I say, Jesus, I love you. Every morning, I just declare my love for Jesus. And I do that because it sets me on the due north. It sets my heart in a place of instant adoration. Because when I go to bed at night, I'm like, Jesus, I love you. When I wake up in the morning, I just say, Jesus, I love you. I don't say it out loud. I just say it internally. But it's me acknowledging my love, my affection, my adoration. It's a place of worship every single morning. I feel intimate with the Lord. I feel connected to him. What am I doing? I'm harnessing. I'm stewarding. I'm being intentional about cultivating, but also always uh, going deeper in what's available with Jesus. And really, you got to, I think, uh, be intentional about cultivating that in your life. So it's in the morning, in the night, bringing him into your day, inviting him into your day, having conversations and asking God questions, listening for his answers. He's a God of conversation. He's a God of dialogue. He wrote us a whole book. So he likes to talk. (laughs) He's got some things to say, right? And so I think it's really important where you're reading his word, but you're also having active current conversations with the Lord about his word, about what's going on in your life, about things that are on your heart and have an expectation to hear him. So don't just do all the talking, take time to listen and wait on the Lord with expectation that he's going to dialogue with you. Because I have, I've really learned by me asking questions and I take time to listen, I am cultivating and I'm harnessing that intimacy because I'm learning how do I plug in to Holy Spirit and I'm putting it into practice is through worship. That's probably one of the greatest ways that I really connect with the Lord is how I plug into Holy Spirit. I instantly want to connect with God. I begin to worship. So every day, what do I do? I put into practice. I recognize that's how I plug in. So then every day I'm worshiping. So I'm putting into practice the ways that I plug in. And so I want you to begin to pay attention to how do you feel connected with God and putting that into your daily practice. So for me, it's acknowledging him, dialoguing with him, waiting on him, listening, and then worship. Those are ways, and of course, spending time in his word, meditating on his word. Those are ways that I plug into Holy Spirit, but I'm also daily putting him into practice. And I'm doing that all with the intention, cultivate intimacy. Third and final hack to harness intimacy with Holy Spirit is to lock into and nourish a consciousness of Holy Spirit. Nourishing, what does that mean? It's becoming aware of God's presence and doesn't mean that we will always feel him physically. Let's be honest, but I do think it actually begins with the revelation that he is near and us becoming aware of his nearness and us being intentional about setting our minds on that he is near to us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is present in us and with us so we can find an assurance and a confidence he is our constant companion and he'll never, he's never alone, we're never alone, he'll never leave us or forsake us. And finally, remembering, you know, we're talking about nourish, nourish a consciousness of Holy Spirit that praying in the Spirit is one of the most intimate and one of the best ways to encounter Holy Spirit. In those moments of prayer, you unite with Holy Spirit to establish the Father's purposes for your life and those that are on his heart. And I think this is really, really important. We find this in Jude 1 20, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, and Romans 8, 26. The power, the purpose of cultivating an intimate prayer life through the praying of the Holy Spirit, because really, what does that do? It's nourishing your relationship with Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about in the end days that they'll be uh, likened us to virgins 
and there were five foolish virgins, five wise virgins. And the difference between the two is the wise virgins, at the end of the day, they nourish the consciousness of God. They establish intimacy. They develop holy passions. So I hope this episode can be a building block in the foundation of you doing the same. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep 100 Tribe, you do not want to miss next episode as we'll bring another powerful subject and begin to discuss it around the table. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100!